Okay, we only have an hour, so you can continue your conversations later, but it's good to hear a little buzzing going on um, to get started. And as people drift in, that's fine. A big challenge for me is to talk about something I'm so passionate about in only an hour. <laughs> and, but I'm here for the weekend, and, and at the end I'll tell you about you know, some other ways to, that we can connect. But I am passing around a, a, um, a pad of paper with your name, your organization, or if you're a student, your college, and, um, and your email, and then I'll send you some information about JomCat. I didn't produce handouts. I have a few materials here you can look at afterwards, but I have a booth in the hall, so it's easier if you just come by the booth and we can talk some more later. Um, so in this group, how many of you are undergraduate students? Wow. How many of you are medical students? Wow. How many of you are other types of graduate students? Wow. How many of you are working, besides the students, um, how many of you are working in Africa? How many are working in Asia? How many are working in Latin America? Um, who came the furthest? Ted Lancaster came from London. Did anybody come further than London? Except if you came from another country, maybe. Okay, great. Okay. Uh huh. Well, let's hope. Yeah, let's hope we keep you awake. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you all coming and appreciate your interest in Jomcat. And the first day of the conference, I wasn't sure how many people actually got here on on Thursday afternoon already. But um, but let's start with a with a word of prayer. as we center our hearts and our minds and our spirits. We ask you, dear God, to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your message that will help us grow in your grace so we may serve you better in our ministries of health and healing. We thank you for bringing us safely here so we can spend this time together learning and sharing. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, before I start, um, how many of you have heard of JomKid or of the Arolis? Oh, wow. Great. <laughs> um, please help. As I said, do, talking about this in an hour is very challenging. Um, I'm going to try to focus on more of the, maybe the practical aspects. But for those of you that know JomKid, if there are certain things that you think I should, that should be said that I'm not, please uh, feel free to um, to, say, to help to help me in the in this uh, presentation, I also do want to mention about Ted Lancaster again because he's he's written a book called Setting Up Community Health Programs that we also have in the bo booth, and that is the the closest thing to how to do a John Ked um, approach of anything that's in print so far. So I would encourage you to look at that. We also have a book that's called John Kid that tells the story of John Kid written by the Arolis. That is a good um, companion piece to that book. And those I have at the at the booth also. So I encourage you to um, to if you're interested in in 
hearing more about it. Also, who's heard about the Alma-Ata Declaration? Oh. <laughs> it's one thing that's very interesting. I'm finding in schools of public health and even global health things, people don't learn about the Alma-Ata Declaration from 1978, and that's so key to what to this kind of, of work. So um, we need to do something about helping people learn about Almata. Um, well, as I said, I can't see this on my screen, and I don't know if you can see through me. I'm not very good at technology and not very good at this kind of thing, so I don't know what's the best way to, to do this. Um, also, I'm... There is a mic for projection, but I'd rather not use that one. If Can you all hear me okay? If, if not, if I start drifting, then drifting down, then let me know. Um, so to introduce myself, I'm Connie Gates. I've been working with JomKit for 12 years, but I've known about it since it started in, in around 1970-71. I first visited it in 1973, and it's what inspired me to get involved in international health. So 12 years ago, I, I started actually working with them. And then I set up a, a small NGO here in the U.S. called JomKit International North America. And I happen to be in North Carolina, so that's why it's, it's based there. Um, so I, I represent, I'm <coughs> represent them here in the U.S., and then I spend about four months a year um, helping them over in JomKit. Um, so, I like to describe JomKit as communities health themselves, that it's really a process of getting the communities to do things for themselves. And so it's a sustainable, holistic community transformation, and this is what we'll be talking about um, this afternoon. And it very much follows Jesus' model of ministry and his model, especially of his healing ministry. He said, I came that they have life and have it abundantly. And he also, after the Good Samaritan, said, go and do likewise. So that's our commission uh, from Jesus. So I want us to focus on, what it, on health and on community. A lot of public health and medical school and nursing school, you, you focus on individuals and on diseases, illnesses. But what we're talking about this afternoon really is health and communities. So when we think about what is health, and we don't have time this afternoon to, to get into this kind of discussion, but I just want you to kind of get your mind uh, thinking about this. You know, what is health and what really promotes health? Disease is part of, of health, but there's a, a lot more about health than, um, than just diseases. Can anybody think of a few, just quickly shout out some things about what is health, what does it mean to be healthy, what promotes health? Access to care. A access to care. Okay, so medical care is part of it, but it's really a very small part of health. So what else is it that promotes health? Adequate food source. Hmm? Adequate food Food, yeah. So nutrition is very important. What else? Clean water. Water, yes. Relationships. Relationships, yes. So there's a social element. What else? A community that really coheres. Right, a co coherent, uh, cohesive community. What else? Shelter. Shelter, yeah. So th some of the basic needs. What else? 
So when we think about what promotes health, and that's what we're really talking about, so, um, and how to help people be healthier as individuals and also as communities. And as I said, we're, we'll be focusing on communities. I didn't realize that these slides <laughs> had this uh, fading in kind of thing. So as you were saying, you know, health is determined primarily by the quality of social relationships and the fairness or equity in the social distribution of material resources. So it really is a justice issue, and we'll be talking more about that as we go along. Um, so we know the WHO definition of health, which is not which is a state of complete physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being, not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And this was their definition in 1948. They added the spiritual later. But from the, the beginning of WHO in 1948, they were saying that, that health is more than the absence of disease. Um, and the Almaty Declaration affirmed that in 1978, 30 years later. The United Methodist Church has this had I don't know if this is their current definition, but... This is one that they developed, a dynamic state of well-being of the individual and society, physical, mental, spiritual, economic, political, and social well-being, being in harmony with each other, with the natural environment, and with God. So again, it's much more than thinking about diseases in individual. Now we have swine flu, so everybody's back to thinking about diseases and how we're going to keep healthy from swine flu, but there's a whole lot more to health than that. So, um, so when we think about health, we talk about the factors of health, which are kind of like social determinants of health, root causes, um, that non-medical interventions have actually more impact on health than having your clinic and your access to medical care. For example, the education of girls has a bigger impact on fertility rates than clinical care does. And for long-lasting impact, if you deal with the root causes, then you'll have much more of an impact um, uh, and a sustainable impact on the health of people. And so there's a, a role for the community because a lot of these issues, these uh, factors that you were just talking about, is really what the community can do and what the community can do for itself much better than what health professionals can do. But there is a role for health professionals, and we'll get to that in a minute. And so this is really, we're talking about a sustainable um, way of impacting the health of communities and, and therefore individuals too. So when we think about healthy communities, we you know, I mean, communities are, are there, um, and we're concerned about their health. So why, why aren't they healthier? Is it because they don't want to be healthier? But we need to think about, yeah, you know, most people would like to be better than they are, either healthier or, you know, maybe more money or, or something like that, more social relationships. So we need to think about what has kept them from being healthy and what are the obstacles to being healthier, because that's what we need to help the communities do. So the per CBPHC means community-based primary health care, and I'll be using that um, acronym a few times because community-based primary health care is too, too hard to say. Um, so the purpose of community-based primary health care is first to develop community because usually when you have a group of people to, living in the same area, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a community, right? So when we're talking about community health, we might need to build the community first or develop the community and then build the community's capacity to do things for themselves, to learn to work together, to learn to solve problems together, to develop the potential of individuals and families in the community no matter who they are, and to use local resources. And so this, this um, 
also all of these feed into what makes this a sustainable and effective process. So when we think about health problems, thinking about you know, the diseases or health problems in, in developing countries, you know, for children, it's mainly diarrhea, malaria, um, not malaria, malnutrition, respiratory problems, maybe measles or something like that. And for women, it's violence, pregnancy-related problems, tuberculosis in, in India anyway. So, um, so if we look at these problems and then think about what are the main causes of these problems, um, we mentioned earlier water is an issue, but feeding practices, lack of knowledge, harmful traditions, and same with women, no care. And the status of women is probably the most important um, factor impacting the, the health of women. <clears throat> so when you look at these kinds of causes of problems, then the solution to these causes is really what the community can do, much more than, than health professionals from outside. But to really, um, as I said earlier, you know, if you're dealing with the root causes, if you get to the, that root, then you'll really be able to, to impact the health of, of people. So we need to think about what can be done in and by the community for prevention and then if you can't prevent the problem, which, I mean, we all, want, we all want to do away with all the problems, but if you can't prevent it, then if you get the early diagnosis, early detection of problems so they can be treated before they get serious, and that also is much better done in the community, by the community. And then the treatment that they're able to do, either home remedies, herbal remedies, or um, some over-the-counter types of things. So that's as an introduction of what is health, community health, um, what we're going to be talking about. So now I'll introduce you to, to Jamked. Um, this is roughly where Jamked is, east of Mumbai. Um, we often call it Jamked because the organization's name is the Comprehensive Rural Health Project, and that's too long. And the acronym is CRHP, and that's too hard to say too. So most people just call it Jamked. Um, and the book is called Jamked. But Jamked is actually the town uh, it's located just outside of the town of Jamkid. Um, so with the Aroli the started this program in 1970. They went to medical school at Valor Christian Medical Center, and that's where they met in um, the early 60s. And they, start, they were committed to serving the, the rural poor in India. They went to work in a medical mission hospital, and after a year or two of working there in the hospital and doing outreach clinics and village visits and mobile clinics and, and all the usual things in the early 60s, they realized they weren't having much of an impact on, on the health of people, um, and especially the poorest of the poor who, weren't, who they weren't reaching e either in the hospital or, or through their outreach efforts. Um, they... And some of the problems, you know, the health problems you were saying with water or some of the environmental things, you know, you have the same pro they would treat the problems and then send them back to the conditions that caused the problems in the first place. So it was, you know, a revolving door. But also they were concerned about the, the especially the women, that, and especially pregnant women, they, that they weren't even seeing. Probably, you know, they may have been seeing 10% 10, 10 of the deliveries, but they were wondering what happened to the, to the others. But back in the early 60s, everybody was pushing the Western medical model around the world that this is the answer to everybody's problems. But they... I said, with their experience, they found it really wasn't having an ad, enough of an impact on the health of people. So they 
decided to um, to try something different. And there wasn't really a, a comprehensive model or approach that they could learn from. But there were different experiences that had happened through throughout the world, the under-fives clinics and uh, barefoot doctors and medical auxiliaries and different things like that. So they, they learned about those um, approaches, and they, but they also just settled in this in Jomcat and said, "Let's work with the communities and see what we can do with this." And this, that story is in the Jomcat book, and I'll and I can email you. Is the sign-up sheet still going around? Um, I'll email you a shorter version of the book that tells more about the story, and I can tell you more later if we have time. But but so they started uh, working with the with the communities. Um, and trying to, to develop with them some approach that would work in, um, in, with community participation that would really have an impact on their health. And after some years, they, they were able to come up with this approach of working with, with the communities. And that's what I'll share with you a little bit now. Um, some people want statistics so we <laughs> to show the impact. So this is the impact on health issues. But you can see in the first five years, when they were trying to figure out what to do, what impact they had on, on malnutrition. And this is antenatal care and immunization rates. Um, this is malnutrition. This is infant mortality. Um, and then the continuation till now, the improvement or continuation is because of the empowerment of the communities. It's not because of the active involvement of CRHP itself in those villages. It's because they've built the capacity of the communities to do things for themselves. And it's only through that empowerment approach that, that you have that kind of sustainability. And then this is in number form and comparing with India in 2004. Um, also, in leprosy and TB is another incredible story um, in, in John Kidd that we don't have time. Um, I'll let you read this so I can take a swig of water. So the main purpose of, of the Jomcat, we call it a model, but it's not a model because it's not, you know, something that you can, you know, construct and put there. It's an approach of working with communities. But the main thing is, tran is the transformation of lives of individuals and communities, especially of the poor and marginalized and women and children that, are, that have been on the, out, um, on the edges of, of society. So now the Comprehensive Rural Health Project, this is how they state their vision. People are made in the image of God. They are endowed with talents and abilities and have the potential for personal growth and development. We are called to facilitate and empower them so that their health can be improved in a holistic and integrated way available to all with equity and justice. And there, some of their underlying philosophy is that health is a right. We hear a lot about that these days. Um, uh, not only health care is a right, and here in the U.S. talking about health re reform, but health itself is a right. People are the key actors in health, not the health professionals. And so we professionals have to change our attitudes and need to share our knowledge in a way that poor people can understand and make their own choices according to their needs and not build dependency. Planning programs need to have flexibility 
which is the first thing probably that you learn when you try to do this work. And there's a, there is a role for curative services, but it needs to be used in an appropriate way. And health professionals need to recognize the importance of non-medical interventions, which I think I referred to earlier. So the basic premise is most health problems have simple solutions in the pre prevention or the treatment of, you know, with the early detection. And as we saw earlier, you know, like, I mean, malnutrition is a big problem, but it really has a simple solution. And, I, and the UNICEF director yesterday was even saying, you know, that that's really something that money, money really can solve that problem if you get the food out there and, and that it really is possible to do. But some of these things, you know, with water, I mean, it's a simple... It's a big problem, but the, the solutions are not high-tech and, and expensive solutions. Um, so, and building the capacity of communities, using a change agent, which they call the village health worker, which I'll introduce you to in a minute, um, the community participation in organizing community groups, and that health is more than the absence of disease. So the model or the approach is that it's comprehensive, community-based, it's primary health care according to Alma-Ata, and that's why I was hoping that more of you knew what I meant when I said Alma-Ata. It's health and development. As you said, you know, that a lot of the non-medical interventions have more impact. It's values-based, and it's a process. It's not a project or a program. And the basic principles, which are also the principles of the Alma-Ata Declaration, is equity, as I said, um, we talked before about the poor, reaching the poorest of the poor where they're at, but also they need to be integrated into the community. And that's why I was saying earlier that, um, you know, we really need to build communities so that they're brought in together. Their focus is on Dalits. Their focus is on people with leprosy. Their focus is on, you know, other things that marginalize people. But the important thing is to get the communities to reach out to those people so that after 40 years, they're not still working with deletes on the margins of society, but, but the they're integrated into the community, and that's what's happened. Um, and also, if you want to address the issues of the poorest of the poor, then you need to deal with the root causes, and some of that might be the caste system. They've overcome the caste system, the status of women, poverty, all of those issues. So it's really a, um, a matter of justice. And then integration, um, they're different aspects of integration, usually people think of that more as multi-sectoral approach, but also, you know, the community and the, and the health uh, center integrated, um, multidisciplinary, and also the services that, um, are integrated, so, you know, family planning and uh, anti prenatal care and infant care and tuberculosis and leprosy and and now HIV, AIDS, mental health, all of that is integrated together. And then empowerment, and I'll be talking mainly about empowerment for the rest of this presentation, but because that's the important thing, building the capacity of the communities um, to get them to work together, and I'll get to the rest of these in other slides. So with empowerment, the important thing is to really uh, is to build relationships with the community and to really listen to the community, to find out what are the issues that they're concerned about, and then try to work with them in terms of helping them overcome uh, to deal with the issues that they're that they're interested in, because that's what will motivate them to to um, to work on that. Um, on that issue, and to also to not only talk about the problems in the community, but what are the strengths of the community? We talked about asset-based community development. So what are their strengths? What resources do they have? What 
in terms of the people, in terms of material resources, in terms of how they work together, in terms of some history that might be, be useful. And to really um, get them to participate. And what they have found is that if you organize the community groups around the interest of the people, um, here in the States we might think about doing that, you know, I, I've heard that it's popular to have these knitting circles now that women are doing knitting circles or quilting circles. So you bring them together over something that they're interested in because that's what will motivate them to come together and to, to keep coming back. And then by, um, when you organize them around their own interests, then you can use that as a forum for, dis for discussing other issues and for um, you know, just talking about what's going on in the community and then get them to, um, to think about what they can do about that. Um, so that's one thing that's very key in, in this process. And then building the capacity of the community. So you start small with, with some project that they can do, do in, a short, uh, in a short period of time so that they can see that they can have some success of some sort. It can be a sports thing. It can be a cultural thing. It can be a fun thing. It doesn't have to be you know, a health project. But just some way we're... Um, so that they learn that they can work together and they can learn that they can solve problems together. And, um, and as they get more and more practice in that area, then they can take on bigger, pro bigger projects. And, as I said, and so when they start, it, it probably won't be some health-related um, project, except that we know that everything has some impact on health somewhere along the, the lines. So even if it's you know, getting a cricket pitch for, the, for their kids to play or, or something like that, that's um, that sense of building community that's important. And then, the, so the project has an enabling role of sharing knowledge that, that will help the, the people, and as I said earlier, to share knowledge in ways that they can use that information um, and some skills. And then to try to, to help them understand the attitudes that they need for building community and for caring and sharing and values. And we'll talk more. The values-based thing is a very important part of this. And personal development, especially with the women, because they, in India, women are treated like less than animals. And so they need to be able to think that they're somebody, that they're made in the image of God, that they have potential, that they can do things on their own, that they, that they have a self-identity. They're Usually when they introduce themselves, they introduce themselves as their husband's wife. And so they have no, no feeling of, um, of their personal importance. So that's a very important part of this. And then we talk about this AAA um, cycle, which um, came out of uh, UNICEF experience. But to help the communities learn how to do their own assessment of, their, of issues in their community, their own analysis of those uh, problems, and then for them to come up with their own actions so that then they will be able to, um, to do something and using local resources as much as possible. <clears throat> and with the assessment analysis, there's the participatory rural appraisal are some tools that are fun and easy and, and get people to participate and are visual and, um, and people can contribute the information that they know and share knowledge so that it's, it's a good way to, um, to get them involved. And then as they're involved, as I said earlier, that, that when they identify their own problems and see and do the analysis and then see that they can actually do something about the, their problems, then that's what motivates them to, to be engaged in the process.
So this is just to show you some pictures. And I'll let you read that yourself. So the process, some of this I've already mentioned uh, in the earlier slide, but this is basically the process they use working with communities. First is that they, they work with communities that want them, or, I mean, now they're, they're even invited in, but, um, but there's usually some villages that they can start with in, a, in an area that either they have a relationship with through patients that they've seen in the clinic or, or somebody, a staff's relative, or, or there's some, some way that they have some connection with that village. Then to spend time building relationship with the community. This can take a year. It can take two years. It can take six months. It depends on the community and depends on what kind of relationship you have with them already. But really to get to know them. And as I said earlier in the empowerment thing, to just listen to them. To not come in. I mean, they, they'll know that you're from a health program and they need to know your identity. But if they, if they find that, that you're really listening to them and really care about their issues, that you're not coming in because it's your job to do a you know, child survival project, but, it's, but you really want to, work to help them um, with what, they, what their concerns are. Um, so that's why it's very important to spend a lot of time, because this really builds a foundation for the work that will come later. And the stronger this foundation is, then they, the easier things will happen later. And that slide that I showed you with the graph is, um, is a testament to this, um, to the importance of this, um, of that part. And then they gather the people. They, what they did in the early years was have vo volleyball games. You know, some kind of, it can be a sports thing or a cultural thing or um, entertainment or something, but something that brings people together across some of the, the, bar the divisions in the community. And as they're, they're doing, getting to know the community and gathering people, what they, they keep tuned to is who in the community is really concerned about their community. You know, and they call them socially minded people. And they find that in every community there's somebody who is interested in doing something with the community. And maybe that person hasn't been doing anything because they don't know what can, we, what can I do, who else can I work with, or like that. But, they, but they're someone that's concerned. There are other people, of course, who are always at you know, every event, every wedding, and every funeral and you know, that are out there uh, very involved in the community. But to, to identify these socially-minded people because those are the people that they can start working with as a core group in the community. And they have found that they can find these socially-minded people in, different, in their situation, you know, in different caste groups or different religious groups. So from the beginning, they have this mix of people that they can, that they can work with. And it's those people that then help, um, help build the relationships with the community. Um, and then they organize groups around self-interest, which I um, was describing a little earlier. And then identifying and addressing the community's problems by them, starting with their priorities. So also the community, they identify their own problems, and then they, they also decide which problem they're going to work on. And then this is not linear. This is rather circular. So the ABCD is not in order, you know, it's not like steps. But anyway, but then there, yeah, the village health worker is selected by the community and is trained by the project um, and then supported over time. 
Um, and then the project also will learn about external resources and programs. And then they'll have um, these seminars. Like for government programs, they'll have big seminars where the people from, very, from several villages will come together and the government officer will come and talk about government, what they call schemes. Um, or, you know, the bank manager will come to talk about loans or the lawyer will come and talk about legal rights, different things like that. And then they, just the follow-up support and encouragement of the, um, of the whole process. I'm talking fast because we don't have a lot of time, but I don't, if you have any questions as I go along, you know, feel free to, um, to ask. And if I'm going to, if I'm planning to talk about it late, to answer your question later, then I'll let you know that, yeah. No, because the communities do it themselves, and that's another thing about, you know, not kind of forcing things. But in these communities, there's um, quite a large Muslim. Com in some of the villages, there's quite a large Muslim community. And then and the, the CRHP is a Christian program, and that has been a barrier um, initially for some communities. They said, we don't want you because we don't want the conversion bit. But after they saw the experience that, that other villages had, and the transformation going on in those villages. And finally, even after 20 years, they said, you know, they invited them in. So that was another thing about, you know, that first one, you know, go where you're really wanted. And then, and what has happened in terms of the spreading it is that they did start with, with just a few villages. And once um, there was some good experience there, it was actually the villagers that spread it out to other villagers. So they, um, they in, well, I think it was like after 15, 20 years, they had served 250,000 people in their area, um, had been impacted by the program, but a lot of that was by the villagers themselves sharing it with other villages. And then they also, um, this might come up in another slide, but I'll tell this in the, um, that um, there are two other areas that are, one is four hours away and the other is like six hours away from Jomked where the village health workers just kind of went and spent time. One's a tribal area and they went and they, and they met the people there and, and through that experience the people, the tribal groups had invited them to, to, do, to help them learn how to do this kind of program. The other was an earthquake. Um, in 1993 there was an earthquake in Latour four hours away and the villagers went and just helped them dig out of, of their houses and their fields and, and just spent time crying with them and loving them. And so those people said, we, we would like to have a program like this. So the spreading of it is a lot more by the village people and the village health workers themselves than by the staff of the project. Yeah. Very seldom, <laughs> um, because for poor people, some of the health, you know, health-specific problems are not their big problems. Their big problems are, like you're saying, you know, they're hungry. I mean, which relates to malnutrition, but they wouldn't identify it that way. But what they did the first few years, for example, the health of animals was more important than the health of people. So they actually trained veterinary health workers to deal with the health of the animals because they had investment. I mean, their animals are their livelihood. 
And so they had an investment in that. Um, they also said they needed water. It's a drought-prone area, so they, they actually got external resources to, do, to dig some tube wells. But they also knew that would impact health. I mean, that wasn't the reason why, they, why the villagers wanted the water, but the, but the Arolis knew that that would. So this responding to what the people want and need and, um, and see as issues helps build that relationship. So then you can start conversations about other, other issues. But, um, but it's very, very, what they have found is that it's very important to really listen to the people and, and respond to them. Because that's what helps build the relationship. And even with the Arolis, when they first got there, they're both doctors. And they didn't want to spend much time on clinical care. But the people were saying, well, what kind of doctors are you that you're coming out here? You could get a job in Mumbai and you're, you're out here. You must not be very good. So they had to actually, you know, do more clinical care than they initially wanted to. But it's that building the relationship with the community. Another thing in terms of coming from outside going into communities is that communities have experiences with outsiders. I mean, there's hardly any community in the world nowadays that hasn't had some experience with, you know, either a government program or a church program or some other NGO. So you also have, sometimes you have to overcome some bad experience that they've had. Um, in a lot of places, what we find with people that come to Job Kit to Learn, they say that, that um, there's some NGOs that too easily give things um, instead of building on the community's resources. And so then that builds up a dependency and whatever. But they, they get frustrated. Be, you know, the people that come to learn from John Kidd, they're frustrated because they said, you know, they'll go back and want to do this kind of approach with the community. But they know that that community can go and find some NGO that will give them, you know, will happily, you know, might happily give them. So, but building this, this um, at the very beginning, that foundation can then um, help lead to other things. And then, and also learning from village to village, um, you know, if in one village they've, they, maybe they were concerned about pregnant women. And so because they're doing that in one village, then they'll learn about it in another village. So it's, it's much more effective to have it more of that organic approach than to be so targeted. So would you say organic starting through those conversations? Yeah. Um, so the village health worker is um, key to all of this. We call her the agent of transformation instead of change agent. Um, but this came about by accident. They, they, uh, the Arolis thought we need to get health care to the community, so let's um, put auxiliary nurse midwives in the villages because that's kind of the lowest trained um, you know, health professional that, that was available. But because those nurses needed to have some education and there was no educated woman in the villages back in those days, so these women came from out from the you know nearby town, either John Kidd or Amanugger, and was in the village for for almost a year. And they found out that she was having very little impact, just like they found in the clinical work they did um, in the early 60s. They weren't having much impact on the peop on the health of the people. So when they found when they talked with the village folks about this, you know, the problem was these were young single women that, you know, they most of them hadn't been pregnant. Well, they're single, so they they hadn't experienced motherhood, and they, you know, were from the town. So there was a cultural difference. There was a language 
a little language difference, and so they were not accepted by the people. So then they, they, um, <clears throat> the Rollies talked with, with uh, some of the men, the socially minded people in the village. They well, what do we do now? And and they said, well, can you train our our women? And they said, well, they're illiterate. Maybe they could do little nutrition education, something like that. So they started working with a few women, and they found these women were incredible. You know, just because you're illiterate doesn't mean you're ignorant, and doesn't mean you're stupid. And doesn't mean you can't learn. And what they were able to do, with, what these women were able to do is amazing. And they were actually the first program to do, to use village health workers like this on a large scale. So she's, um, I said, she's selected by the community, and that's a very important part of this, um, <clears throat> of their approach also. And she works as a volunteer, which is also a very important part. Um, <clears throat> and... Her main role is to share everything that she learns with the community. Yeah. How often do you find communities choosing people who are related to the, the chief report person and really aren't no. keeping them? What they find, if it's a volunteer position, that, that that doesn't happen so much. But also, they make sure that you know that the community selects that it's not just the 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 sarpanch that selects, and also especially that the that the poor and marginalized and the deletes, the the person, the woman isn't always a delete, but she needs to be able to 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 be willing to work with with the outcast. Delete is the term for outcast or low, you know, the untouchables. Um, so, so the and that that was one way they overcame the caste system early on because the women came from different castes and then they came together at CRHP for training and they were from different castes and, and so it was awkward for them to to have to sleep together and eat together but after they you know got used to that then they were able to share that experience back back in their villages um, but they had very they've had very low turnover they've had very low dropouts and the same village health workers have been there 20, 30 years. It's it's amazing. But and I said <clears throat> we're running out of time. But they because um, <clears throat> there are a lot of other perks to the benefits to the job than, than the thing about whether you pay them or not. But the main thing is that if she's sharing everything she knows with everybody in the community, then the better she does her job, then the less work she has to do. Um, because everybody knows how to do safe deliveries, everybody knows how to do oral rehydration solution, everybody knows how to detect early detection of pneumonia and things like that. Yeah. What's her incentive to be a volunteer? Um, because she's well, she's chosen by the community, so having that kind of you know respect by the community, um, and then what she learns. I mean, the, self, the personal development piece, but also all the knowledge that she gets, and then being able to share that with people in her community. The, the thing about the financial thing, what they do is that they make sure that she's not so poor that she, you know, is, is too needy. And so they'll make sure that she has some income-generating project if she needs some income. So she's in, independently wealthy. You know, it's not dependent on the project. But also then she's a role model for the women in the community. So that's how they deal with the financial piece of it is that they make sure that she has money. But um, And she does it. This working as a village health worker is not a full-time job. And she does it as she's walking around the community and as she's you know, waiting at the well and, and all of that. It's, a lot of it is very informal. But then it's also, um, well, Ted, I need you to come. <laughs>
I forgot this was in between. And is, <clears throat> can somebody read? There are, two, there are two screens. So can one person read the first screen and somebody else read, not you, somebody else read the second screen? Can you read? Can you read this? Yeah. Sure. This is a beautiful hall, and the shining chandeliers are a treat to watch. This is in a ballroom. I didn't. One has explain. to travel thousands of miles to come to see their beauty. The doctors are like are like these chandeliers, beautiful and exquisite, but expensive and inaccessible. And can you read the next one? Thank you. <laughs> um, that was uh, a village health worker went to the what's now called the Global Health Council, but then it was called the National Council for International Health <clears throat> Annual Conference in Washington in 1988. And so it was in a, in a hotel with a big ballroom and the chandelier and whatever, and that's what, what she, um, how she explained her role of being a village health worker. So then we... <clears throat> They organize groups, women's groups and men's groups, and now there's the gender separation isn't so important, so they have more mixed groups. Um, and that's who they, the village health workers work through these groups. The groups support, you know, she educates through the groups, and then the, the groups um, educate the rest of the community, mobilize together, deal with, you know, health things in terms of um, pregnancy and child care and things like that, but also especially in terms of social issues and gender issues um, um, and the caste and, and like that. Um, and then the farmers clubs. And they check malpractice by witch doctors and also by um, modern doctors. There are 50 doctors now in Jomkett, and there's really not need for that many uh, medical professionals. In the, so they also check the malpractice of, the, of those. And then also corruption in the government and, and like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I've mentioned several times the importance of the values-based approach. And it's really, you know, technical knowledge and skills are not enough if you're really building the um, community um, health, you really need to build that community and especially with people that have been marginalized from the community. So the need to love others, willing to share and care for others and the willing to, willingness to serve others for the staff itself and for the villagers and being concerned about the social aspects of problems and root causes, the justice issues that keep people from developing their potential as children of God. I hear the music that means our time's running out, I guess. So <clears throat> what's the role of the project? We've talked a lot about what's happening in the communities. So the project role is to facilitate this whole process with the communities. And I said that first year, that first building that foundation of, of building relationships with the community and building their confidence that they can do things for themselves. To provide the training, to be role models and demonstration. For example, with people with leprosy, they would go and, and sit and eat with people with leprosy, drink tea with them, and, and like that to show that it was um, 
that it was okay to do that. Um, identify external resources to support the village health workers, the community groups, the whole process to demystify medicine. This gets back to the knowledge, um, you know, to to make information accessible to them in a way that they can understand, and then to provide medical care. We they do need medical care sometimes, so that needs to be available. So then we think about, okay, the Arolis are extraordinary people. Ted Lancaster is an extraordinary person. Um, other people you've heard about who are extraordinary people. So how could I ever do this? You have to be some charismatic, whatever. But what, we've, what we have learned is that not everyone can do it, but anyone can if they have certain um, values and attitudes. So attitudes that you're, that instead of being the, the provider of health care, that you're really the enabler of, of improving health and that you're willing to learn from the community. <clears throat> um, I think a lot, and sometimes you need to unlearn, you know, when you're in nursing school, medical school, public health schools, you know, we're, we're taught what the, what the problems are and how to analyze and what the answers are, and then we're going to get them to do what, our, what we think our answers are. Um, so we really need to kind of change that attitude to become humble so that we can learn from the community. And they, they have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot of abilities, but they just haven't, as I said early on, you know, what has kept them from making themselves healthier? And that's what we need to help find out willing to let the community do what it can and sometimes get out of its way. And then, and then you, you know, it's important to have our own set of values, Christian values. Um, and these are just an example of some of the values that they've identified in the work that they've done. It. John Kidd, example of selfless service, complete love and acceptance for the people, trust, patience, and time. Equality and equity, team spirit, complete sharing of knowledge, upliftment of the status of women, community participation and empowerment, talking together with all villagers, and a comprehensive holistic approach. So that's not an exclusive list, but it just gives you an idea of some things that are important. And this from Lao Tzu in 700 BC. Go to the people, live with them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build with what they have. But of the best leaders, when the job is done, the task accomplished, the people will all say, we have done this ourselves. That's from 3,000 years ago, and we haven't learned to do it yet. So I mentioned at the very beginning that this is a sustainable approach. And, I, and on the chart, you know, in order to keep those health indicators good, um, so... And sustainability, we usually think about that in terms of financial sustainability, but this is talking about the villages. And this project has had a very small staff for 40 years, and they've been able to impact, you know, half a million people. And it's because of the sustainability of the project. So they, they've worked with, I don't know, 300 villages over the years, but they don't work with all 300 villages at the same time because most of them are, you know, doing things for themselves. So we, th we look at sustainability in terms of the knowledge and skills that you, um, sh you know, the demystification. So that's building the capacity of the people. And the attitudes and the values we mentioned, you know, in terms of building the caring community. And, and people, the vo uh, village health workers as volunteers, but the community people being willing to volunteer their time for the betterment of their communities. So that's building community, and, they, and that keeps them motivated um, so over the years, you know, they're still active. 
and then the prevention, early detection and treatment, rehabilitation, all of this in the community, and taking a, a you know, the a holistic health approach, which makes, the, you know, the um, health of the community sustainable, using appropriate technology and especially local resources, using that multi-sectoral approach of non-medical interventions, which nowadays we're, we're calling social determinants of health, but, um, you know, the root causes. The village health workers, I said, are still involved after decades. They're still very active. And that, that's a whole other discussion about, you know, how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them challenged? And what do they continue to learn over the years? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, they started where there wasn't anything. So that, that helped in terms of them developing this thing. But they, they've always been invited to state and national government policy and um, committees of, at different state and, and national levels to um, share their experience. And now the latest thing is the National Rural Health Mission, which is the latest health um, plan for India, and Dr. Rowley is on that committee, and they've incorporated a lot of the John Kidd um, ideas into that. Um, but they, from the beginning also, they, I mean, one of, the, one of the principles is not to duplicate what other people are doing, including the government. So, like, they don't do immunizations anymore because the government does that. The nurse goes to the village once a month. But it's the village people to, that make sure that she comes. It's not, you know, CRHP doesn't keep track of the nurses going to the villages. It's the village people themselves having that direct connection with the, with the government. Um, so does that, is that what you answer well, I mean, your, or whatever? One of the pieces that don't go where you're not wanted. You know, you yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and one of the things, they don't, you know, get involved in politics and things like that. So they stay out of that, you know, kind of the political part of government, but they also, you know, try to work with government programs when they can, yeah. It does seem necessary, though, that you would, this model wouldn't work everywhere, because if the, if the upheaval is such, the political situation is, you know, is in chaos, this is a tough piece to build. Yeah, except the, the principles can still be, you know, in terms of, of you know, how you're, working with the community. There are a lot of the basic principles that can be used anywhere here in the U.S. as well as, you know, and, and in, in um, conflict too. I mean, they, they've worked with people that work with refugees, you know, in eastern Congo with, in refugee situations. But, um, but it's, I mean, if there is a political... Hmm? Hmm? 20 years of civil war. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying people from all over the world have come to learn from them and have, um, have, have used, you know, the principles that, I mean, everything has to be adapted, and that's why I don't like to call it a model because, you know, it's not the same thing everywhere, but it's, it's the principles and very adapted, yeah. Connie, can you just tell us about the training institute, which has arisen out of this, yeah. which, which runs courses for people from all over the world who come and I will. Process I will. <laughs> Um, so this is their organization chart, the village at the top, 
and everything else supports the village. They have this mobile team that trains the village health workers and then um, visits the villages uh, to, to work with her and also the community groups and to get to build that those re to keep those relationships that I talked about. And then the health center um, is a resource center for training of the village people as well as people from outside that and he was just referring to that and I'll mention that again. Um, as, as we close. So I wanted to close again with uh, Jesus is a good person always to quote from in terms of his ministry. And of course, when he read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that is very much what we're talk about in John Kidd. So I like to talk about John Kidd as being the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's the nearest thing to the kingdom of heaven on earth that I've experienced anywhere in the world. And I think um, if you look at community-based primary health care in the you know, kind of authentic sense that we've been talking about this afternoon, that um, you can see that. So John Kidd is communities health themselves work together to solve their problems. They deal with root causes and they share what they learn in God's love with others. So to learn more, there's a booth in the upstairs hall. On the What number are we, Ted? I think we're 2002, but we're, okay. right on the, we're on the, the second floor. Yeah, on the right side. On the far right. So if you go in the right, right door, we're the first booth. There's a uh, water purification um, thing next to ours. And Ted's book is there. And w he also has an urban health and development book and the John Kidd materials. So come and talk to me at the booth. Um, the website, johnkidd.org. You can email me. Gina stands for John Kidd International North America. And come to John Kidd. They've established this training institute where people from all over the world have, have come to learn from them. And I, I'll, I have information at the booth about that. There's a one-month course. Um, mid-June to mid-July, that's mainly for students from North America and Europe, um, especially medical students, public health students, you know, more of the graduate level. Um, if you're at Calvin College, you can come in January with a group that they're bringing over. So your school can organize um, a group to come over. There are also electives and, um, and internships. And if you can't get to India and you want to, want to learn more about their approach, you can do an internship with me here in the States, and I do that kind of a virtual. Um, you, you don't need to come to North Carolina in order to work on a project with me. And that's it. Um, I have a, there's a four-minute video on the National Geographic website that you can look at yourself since we're out of time. National Geographic in December 2008 had an article called Necessary Angels about the village health workers. Um, and if you go on their website, there's this four-minute video. Um, the video is actually still shots by this photographer. The text of the video is not totally correct, but it gives you a good idea, of, you know, especially from somebody from outside talking about it. This is last December 2008, and it's on their website also. Um, so it's two past six, so I guess we need to close up. But um, any other burning? I said, please come and visit. I'll be at the booth. I'll, I'll go to a few sessions, but I'll be at the booth after I set it up. Thank you.